Okay, so today we will be discussing private and public sectors with Ethan Oder, who has recently written a paper on private prisons, which is a very big example of the use of the private sector in a place that uh, maybe it shouldn't be. So, Ethan, uh, you got anything to say? Yeah, hey, great to be on here. Thanks for having me, Andrew. So I think one of the best ways to start this is just by defining what privatization is. Privatization occurs when a government-owned business operation or property becomes owned by a private, non-government party. This specifically you can see happen with private prisons, you can see happen in a pharmaceutical industry, and with healthcare as well. Yeah, no, it's it's very interesting, especially the uh, modern era. I mean, you bring it up in your paper, but um, uh, around the era of Reagan, it has become a very popular tool used by the government to basically cut back on the sheets and how it looks. So if you privatize a sector, the costs to the consumers and the cost to the American people still exist, but it looks like the costs have been reduced because they're being uh, assumed by the company. With privatization, you have to look at the three various factors. The first is the business or the industry that would sort of birth out of privatization. The second is the government. And the third is the individuals who are affected by it. With a publicly owned thing, that benefits the individual and it hurts the government because the government has to put more money towards the needs of the individual. When privatization occurs, the government is unaffected for the most part, and the people, their rights and abilities and how they are affected is lowered, and the businesses is heightened a lot, and specifically certain individuals within a business. Privatization, from my knowledge, can occur from a lot of different places, and a lot of the times isn't actually about the government being able to pay less, but Instead, a lot of the times lobbying and the mix between the individual profit that someone in government makes to the government itself's profit. No, I'd agree. I think the uh, really good example of that would actually be the um, pharmaceutical industry. So we're both supporters of Medicare for all. And a lot of people who aren't, uh, who are against Medicare for all, use this argument. And they basically say, if the government were to assume costs and they were to uh, essentially create government-run monopoly, they it would hurt the consumers more and the consumers would have to um, spend more because your taxes would increase to fund it. Now, what they neglect is that when you get health insurance, you're already paying for that. Now, when your taxes increase, it's not like for some reason you're now spending money on health insurance and taxes your taxes may increase but you no longer have to pay for the health insurance one thing that you can see is how a good or what one would consider a right changes and changes with norms as well so something let's say like pharmaceutical industry many drugs pharmaceuticals usually being perceived as something that yeah come out of taxes and then be taken out and given and distributed but instead become something that is now a commodity, something that is packaged, branded, and sold to you. So there is this idea that, oh, when there are no taxes, it's a choice for you to get this. But in reality, when you think about something like as basic as having health care or just having the drugs you need, that's not really 
a something that you can buy into, but something that every individual needs and has the right to. Yeah, and I, I think it's very interesting to look at this from, honestly, this sounds kind of silly, but a selfish point of view. So I think you could even, like, a lot of people use the argument of the humanitarian perspective, like you just did, and I think that's a lovely argument. I think the main thing you've got to realize is that this is a human right. If we have the ability to take care of the sick and the needy, we should take care of them as a society because one day you might become sick. But I also think you could think about it from even, even if you don't really care about other people, even if you're an absolute sociopath, you could still justify Medicare for all simply because it is, it's more cost effective. And if you think about that, it seems kind of obvious. So in the privatized system that we have right now, you still have Medicare. So you have Medicare and you subscribe to a service, you get a service, which is Medicare. So you pay the Medicare uh, management company and they will give you what you need when you're sick. Now, you end up paying, the reason you have a heightened price there is because they also have to pay for their CEOs, their management. They have to pay a large body of executives, right? And the founders of the company and they have to do all that stuff. And because there are more companies, they have less leveraging power, which means that they have more trouble negotiating prices. So you'll notice in countries that do have Medicare for all or have a strong public option, specifically like Canada, I'm going to give as an example, have much lower drug prices. That's because the government can basically negotiate with pharmaceutical companies and force their prices down. Whereas in America, that simply can't happen because if a Medicare company says, I'm not going to pay that, lower your prices, the pharmaceutical company can just move on and say, well, I'm not going to give you any of my drugs, right? And I think that uh, as a second point, it's important to look at it. Um, if you don't have to pay executives and company uh, officials, then you're, make, you're saving money there. So essentially, if it's government run, there doesn't have to be a profit. Yeah, there doesn't need to be a profit with the government. And we do need to, and I think it is important to recognize the counter argument in favor of privatization, which is that the commodities that would be sold can be done more effectively through being privatized. And it can be distributed more effectively and with better quality. What do you think about that? So that that's really interesting. So this is my big thing. There's, there's a lot of arguments for, in my opinion, publicization um, or anti-privatization. That's probably a better way of putting it, uh, which I'm largely against. For the most part, I think the private sector doesn't have many uses. Its only real benefit is competition. And that's something we're definitely going to have to get into. But I, I think that um, the idea of that is basically if, if multiple companies are competing, that they are striving to make a better product. Because the only way they could reach the consumer is by giving them a better product. And they say that if you're in the public sector, there's no motivation to create a better product because the consumer is automatically going to buy what the company, or in this case, the government is selling. That example, I think, makes sense when I'm talking, like, let's try I'm talking about a lamp, right? If the government were to take over all lamps in the world and they were to produce lamps, I think it would make sense to say that's a bad idea. Why is that a bad idea? Because the government doesn't have much motivation to necessarily improve their product. Now, I think there's an argument to say that they do to an extent, but I think it, it also makes sense to say that 
yeah, there needs to be some sort of driving force. There needs to be a reason that, like in the private sector with lamps, if I don't make a better lamp, then my competitors will, and they'll outcompete me, and I'll die off. So it's kind of like Darwinism at a corporate level. Now, I think people assume that that's always the case with the private sector, and that's where they get it wrong. And they look at, for example, the pharmaceutical industry, or not, sorry, not the pharmaceutical industry, but the Medicare industry. And they say if the government were to take over, there would be no competition and there would be a lack of innovation. Now, what they don't take into account is that there can't be any innovation in the Medicare industry. Why is that? Because the Medicare industry isn't peddling. They're not selling you a good. They're not selling you a lamp. They're selling you a service. They're saying that if you get sick, if you get injured, I'll take care of you. And that cannot be done better. The only way it could be done more effectively is a better bang for your buck. So if they could offer you a better price for more insurances, so more if this happens, they'll take care of you. And the government will always be able to do that better. Yeah, and this definitely brings to the, the point of, okay, competition would inherently lower the prices to make it so that those who have the best and lowest prices with the best quality in that mix are the ones that come out successful. And that kind of works out and becomes a symbiotic relationship between the consumer and the creator and the business. But the problem there is that just isn't reflected. If you see the drug prices, they're miles above what the actual profit, the profit margins are insane. And you see just something that at some point is a necessity become and turned into a something that's just profits. And you wonder where that money goes to. And if it goes back into research to better things. That is, I think, a fair and recognizable argument. But I think at the same point, when you have a large amount of Americans, if you can actually find a statistic while I'm talking, not being able to afford the the cost of the, the, the drugs that they actually need. And as you, the majority of Americans cannot afford a $400 scare. So when you think about how insane all the costs are, then it's not something that is both safe, stable, or affordable for the majority of Americans. And is a lot of the times just a profit through the uh, inability for the government to really argue for lower prices. Yeah, the exact study he's citing here is the Gallup poll or Gallup survey, um, and it cited that uh, 23% of Americans, uh, it says approaching 58 million U.S. adults, uh, said they were unable to afford drugs they were prescribed in the last 12 months. Now, that to me, just that screams that something isn't right, and it screams corruption in my opinion. It means to me, and this is what he was talking about more, this different topic, but one of the big issues with lobbying is that these pharmaceutical companies are able to literally like they're able to get away with murder because they pay off officials and they make it so that the government cannot fight back. Companies that don't want to participate in this and they want to have a lower prices to get drugs, 
aren't able to do that. They're not able to negotiate with the pharmaceutical companies because the pharmaceutical companies, like I said before, can just cut them off. And this this brings me to a story, and I think this is incredibly interesting. I'm sure we're going to hear about it again later down the road. But this brings me to the story of the Phoebus cartel, or the Phoebus light bulb cartel. Um, and it was a cartel in the 1920s and 1930s that centered around, like the name suggests, light bulbs. And what it did is we had uh, the light bulb, which was not a new product, but it wasn't the same you see today. Um, and these fluorescent light bulbs. And they kept on improving them. So it got to a point where you actually saw light bulb sales were decreasing year to year because people had such good light bulbs that they just weren't breaking. So this this shows to me a flaw in the classic argument that is made by many people who support the um, current capitalist system we live under. And they suggest that a company always will act in the best interest of the consumer, right? Because it wants to make money. And I, I disagree with that. Or or to the extent I'd say is they'll always make a better product. Of course, why wouldn't a company want to make a better product? Well, what the Phoebus cartel did was intentionally make worse light bulbs. And they made sure that they're participating companies within the cartel. Oh, just so everybody knows, what a cartel is not it's not like some people think of it as like the mexican cartel but it's essentially a group of businessmen or companies getting together to control the prices of a certain product so what they were doing and controlling the quality of a certain project controlling the market essentially they were controlling the light bulb market and what they were attempting to do and what they did effectively do was make a worse light bulb so that people would have to go out, their light bulbs would keep breaking and they'd have to go out. So it's called planned obsolescence. And the reason I give this example here is because, in my opinion, it perfectly dictates where companies' interests, what it wants, actually ends up hurting the consumer because it is left on its own. And this is why I would say that you really do need a public option. You need a government, even, like I'm suggesting, Medicare for all, because you need a strong a force that acts in the best interest of the people. So sometimes you'll see a government go wrong. Don't go wrong. I'm not saying you should blindly follow the government, but they at their core in a democracy have an interest to help the people out. And a company has an interest to increase profits. And if their profits just so happen to help out the consumer, that's great, but they don't always have to. That's what I think is happening in the Medicare and pharmaceutical industries. And the problem that you see with this idea of government corruption and that being as prominent as a problem as even just businesses themselves almost all comes out of lobbying itself. So that if can be a more focused on issue and can be worked on, I think there could be the government option and a government run thing just becomes even stronger without the influence of a business. I think the cartel story was actually sort of really great because a business, a business only has one beyond any one individual in a business might want for a business. So let's say that the CEO wants to do something spectacular or individuals within a certain branch want to do something. It all comes down to profit in the end and all comes down to money. Because let's say you are doing something that is not for money, 
then you're going to lose money and therefore not do as well. So everything, if you want to be able to survive within a sort of business and a this idea of competition in a free market is all has to be surrounded around money or it won't be efficient enough. And I think that is what really pokes the problem with these really moral and necessities to people. What happens to them when they're privatized and put in a private put in a private industry rather than publicly? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that when it comes down to it, you for most topics, I think this is a general rule, to make sure you have a healthy opinion on it, you should have one side of the argument, you should have the other side of the argument, and you should have a gray area. And where the gray area falls on the spectrum, that's it. So you may say in like 99% of the cases, it's we should do it one way, the other 1%, we should do it the other way, and there's a little gray area. You may say that, but there should generally be some sort of gray area. There shouldn't say with absolute certainty that this is always how we should do it. And I think that um, I'm not suggesting, I don't think either of us are suggesting that the public sector is always the way to go. I just think that more often than not, yes, it is. And I think, like you're saying, when it comes down to it, the big issue for me is you're playing around with someone's necessities. Because of the Darwinism we talked about before, the um, where you need to be competitive to survive in the free market, right? You need to be competitive. Because of that, anybody with honestly good intentions who wants to ignore profit motives gets pushed out. They, their companies will fail. So it's, it's, it's almost as though you're promoting... Those who have more, uh, not worse intentions, but are are more willing to sacrifice their good intentions for the sake of the company. I think that does bring out a sort of question, though, is where does this sort of line between privatized industry and things being run publicly, where where do we draw the line? Because one could argue that with the way that certain things, like what, what really qualifies as a right versus as a like a right or a necessity versus as a sort of a pleasure so let's say food for example a lot of food you could say is necessary people need food to survive but at the same times a lot of the times food is seen as a more luxury item and something that is for some not used for survival but instead for pleasure what is your thoughts what are your thoughts on that yeah, exactly. And I, I think when it, when it comes down to it, the the entity that I see having the people's sincere best interests at heart is the government. Now, I've heard a lot of people, a lot of more conservative thinkers argue the government gets in the way, they step in, they mess stuff up. I think like your previous point, Ethan, is that that's largely because of lobbying. That's because these private companies use the government as a tool. And this is where I swear... I think people kind of have it misconstrued as to what they think we're living in. And they think that uh, we're living in a meritocracy. They think we're living in a um, uh, capitalist system, the pure capitalism. And I'm not advocating for that. God, no. But uh, I think that's what they think we're living in. No. <laughs> what we're living in is this, like saying, late stage capitalism where these companies have snowballed to enormous power where at this point, I'm not saying this is a whole different topic, but you're seeing them now starting to rival governments, even where they can push around governments on regulation and say, oh, if you're going to 
impose that on me, I'm going to pack up and take my job somewhere else. And they kind of push around the government. And I think people... Now, I'm not an authoritarian, and I'm not arguing for authoritarianism. But I think people have had this false error. They saw these authoritarian regimes of the, uh, the 20th century, right? And they said that any government enforcement of anything must be horrible. It must be bad. And I think they got something wrong there. I think that when it comes to personal ideals, government intervention is bad. That's where we see uh, issues arise. But I think government intervention in the economy, a strong government to protect the people is necessary. And I think the only real way to do that is to have the government involved in industries, right? so have more public industries, and have a stronger government that's able to withstand things like corruption or lobbying. I think especially in the current sort of economic climate in this kind of late stage capitalism scenery, new innovation becomes something that is almost a foreign idea because at this point, any business that is being introduced or any sector of any business or just any new platform that maybe it develops with technology or fits a new goal or need. So a lot of the things would be like social media apps, almost everything like that, social media apps, food chains, honestly, just restaurants in general, those are almost all now being built by massive corporations that own a lot of corporations under them or, or own a lot of businesses under them. So you see very little at this point, small businesses increasingly grow and grow because how can a small business compete with a huge chain? And especially when you have a lot of stuff being done digitally these days, just the uh, competition really at this point is just between a few different big corporations and almost everyone else either has to join them, fail at being able to grow your own thing, or just not even partake in it at all, which isn't really even an option. But that gets to the point where there is no motivation to create anything new that isn't for profit because it's all just ran by these big corporations who are just trying to expand their bubble of wealth so that they can then compete with other big corporations that are also trying to expand. I think that there's this sort of continuous idea that within a capitalist system, everything just ends up balancing itself. Which I think in theory, when you think about capitalism competition and how that all works, is a compelling idea. But once monopolies begin to form, and a lot of the times unnoticed monopolies start to form, that is when this idea of the, this one guy or one person with a sort of idea and a dream to create this thing can't compete at all with this massive corporation that is trying to sort of do the same idea, but maybe without the inspiration or the drive that the other person might, because the corporations are able to do anything that an individual could do much more effectively with much less risk and 
with a lot less worry and a already set up plan and system of how you can stretch what the corporation is already doing to fit this new idea. And so really, especially within sort of technology becoming more prominent, it is nearly impossible for anyone to succeed individually within a capitalist in this late stage capitalist system without partaking in it and making having this money motivation rather than a motivation for actual good. And I think that this is the problem that comes with this idea that everything will regulate itself because once all these factors added on are added on, it cannot regulate itself. And then so something needs to regulate it. And I think that leaves an opening for the government to step in. Yeah, I'd agree. I think that uh, at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, you cannot allow uh, a corporation to regulate itself or deal with itself because they are always seeking, like we said before, to play the game and to survive in, I'm calling it, the free market is a Darwinist system, right? And they want to survive. They need to survive. So you have people who aren't willing to do certain things to survive rooted out. The the people with honestly better intentions are pushed down and pushed away because their companies end up failing. And I think that is why you can have that. If you want to say you want to do that with goods and services, You could do it there, but do not do that with human rights. Okay, I think that's it. This has been uh, the Unionist Central Podcast. Ethan Oder, thanks so much for coming on. All right, signing off.